Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Smith wants a ruling, and the Supreme Court is going to give it to him. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. Good to be with you. This is the special counsel. This is the guy who's going after President Trump. And the question is whether or not the president is immune from federal prosecution for crimes allegedly committed while he was in office. So there's a district judge. You know, Smith has got these charges regarding January 6th. And the district judge, Tanya Chutkin, ruled that Trump cannot be shielded from criminal prosecution after his presidency. But Trump is appealing the decision to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. Jack Smith, the special counsel, went right to the Supreme Court and said, why are we wasting time here? You rule. We don't need to go through this long, drawn-out process. Trump wanting to draw out the process so he's not having to deal with a trial in March as he's running for president because all of this, without question, is election interference. It's not about whether or not you like Trump. It's not about whether or not you think Trump did good things or bad things. All that's inconsequential. The timing, whether it be Fannie Willis in Atlanta or whether it be uh, Letitia James in New York or Alvin Bragg in New York or this case here, this is election interference. It doesn't take much to understand that reality. These charges could have been brought any time. Any time. They were brought now to screw with a presidential election. So we all understand each other. So what Jack Smith said is, we don't have to go through all this rigmarole. Why don't you, Supreme Court, make the call? Is the president shielded? It's going to come to you anyway. Is the president, being a former president, shielded from prosecution? Yes or no? And the Supreme Court said, okay, we'll take a look. So by December 20th, 4 p.m., Trump's team has to respond to the petition. The petition, of course, says hey, we think that we are allowed to charge uh, the former president based on this, 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 and this. So Trump's team now has to respond by December 20th at 4 p.m. The trial is expected to start March 4th. So we will see what it is the court says. Right now, I don't have any feel for it whatsoever. Right, you can, you can start looking at what some legal scholars are going to say and going to think. But I don't have anything that's, that states, here's how the court may rule. Here's how uh, the court looks at these kinds of things. Here's something quasi-similar, though nothing's really similar in these situations. We will see. We will see what they say. It's kind of fascinating stuff, though. If, if, if I was to, to gut what it was my gut think, 
I would I would argue that um, the president, uh, no longer in office, or even or even in office, who has committed a crime, can be charged for the crime. If you, I mean, the the allegation can be made, the trial can be brought. I I would assume that that's that that's what they're going to say. That what what do you what do you want from us? This the 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 federal prosecutors are are, are charging you with a crime. Go defend yourself. You're innocent until proven guilty. That didn't change. Have a nice day. That's the way I think they'll go. That would be my off the cuff. But that's based on nothing more than I'm not quite sure how you say you can't be charged. Now, whether or not he should be charged, completely different subject. We're talking about the can be, right? Not the should be, the can be. I think he can be. But I, I will I will wait to see it. Trump has to respond next week on the 20th by 4 p.m. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yesterday, I saw a couple people referencing Doug Emhoff and Vice President Harris lighting a menorah. Doug Emhoff, the husband of of the vice president, the second gentleman, as they like to call him, and Jewish somehow in his life. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC, good morning. You wouldn't know it from his telling of the story of Hanukkah. The the post tweet has since been deleted, but I, I share it with you now. Now, I, I, I want to make sure I'm on, on record uh, w- with something. I, I am not a historian, and, and I claim no um, extra special um, understanding of, of Judaism. Being Jewish is one thing. Being uh, a, uh, a well-learned scholar and study, that's something different. It's why people who make the claim that I'm X, therefore I know why, uh, that's, that, that's not true. I'm black, therefore I, I know everything about racism. No, no, you don't. No, no, no. I'm Jewish, I know everything about anti-Semitism. No, I'm gay, I know everything about uh, people who are homophobic. No, 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 no. It's not the way it works. Not even science. Nothing. But I know that Doug Emhoff mangled the story of Hanukkah with such... Um, magnificence that it requires correction. He writes as he shows off the picture of he and and his uh, wife uh, lighting a menorah. The story of Hanukkah and the story of the Jewish people has always been one of hope and resilience. In the Hanukkah story, the Jewish people were forced into hiding. No one thought they would survive or that the few drops of oil they had would last, but they survived and the oil kept burning. Hold on. Just a moment. Just a moment. Now, we're in Hanukkah right now. I believe tonight will be night six. I believe I believe that right, based on all the melted wax on my kitchen counter. Um, Hanukkah. Oh, ha, he. Hanukkah is not a story of hiding. You magnificent dope. 
Dear Lord. It's it's just embarrassing. It's it's outrageous. Hanukkah is not a story of hiding at all. It is a story of the fight. So Hanukkah is a story about how uh, the the uh, Jews had risen up against um, their Syrian oppressors, Greek Syrian. This the the whole idea of the Maccabees, this revolt. As a matter of fact, Hanukkah, which means the word dedication, talks about the rededication of the Second Temple in Jerusalem. That's that's what it is that you had this one uh, leader at, at the time who let the Jews practice their religion. He had a son. That guy was a scumbag. He's like, you know what? I'm in charge now. Jews can't practice their religion. Jews were like, blank you and your sister. She's a skank. The fight is on. Two years later, the Maccabees, Judah Maccabee, um, they are uh, successful. And they light the menorah as a rededication of the second temple. The oil that they had after the the fight was really only enough to last a day. But the miracle is that it lasted eight days. They were able to find more oil, which is always good. You can never have enough. That's what I always say. And so they celebrate... Hanukkah for eight days because this oil lasted. Now, different levels of interpretation of that story can happen everywhere. But in no interpretation is there a conversation about hiding. Emhoff writes, during those eight days in hiding, They recited their prayers and continued their traditions. That's why Hanukkah means dedication. It was during those dark nights that the Maccabees dedicated themselves to maintaining hope and faith in the oil, each other, and their Judaism. In these dark times, I think of that story. You mean the story you invented in your head? The story that has zero to do with actual history? Now, I gave the 30,000-foot overview, guys. If you want if you want a more detailed story, please, please contact your local rabbi. But there is no way in which Doug Emhoff is correct here, the second gentleman, so much so that he deleted the post. He deleted the post. It's gone. It's outrageous outrageous that Doug Emhoff posted that. It's embarrassing! That's, that's, that is, that is underplaying it. That is, that is going, that is going low. Why? Why even, why begin to engage that way? What was the point? That he believed it? that he didn't bother checking himself, that no one would bother to check him? 
Why would you post such a thing? Why would you engage such a falsehood? There has been a lot of conversation from University of Pennsylvania folk who have been told, you know, don't wear your religious symbolism on campus. You've seen this in a, in a bunch of places. Hiding. What is this hiding narrative insanity that's going on? And why not just go to, I don't know, history.com and get a refresher on the story of Hanukkah in case you got it wrong? Why would you celebrate hiding? If, if I, tell me I'm wrong. If I were to take a look at the story of Passover and I were to uh, engage every aspect of it, this, this was about a, 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 a calling out to be free. This wasn't about hiding either. Where is the Jewish story about hiding? I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know where it exists. Crazy, craziness from Doug Emhoff. Thrilled that he deleted it. And thrilled at all the people who are like, you're ridiculous. Because he is. Just a quick uh, cold update. I'm going to advise not getting one. Holy cow. In, uh, in, in my life, I don't think I've ever coughed this much. I cannot describe to you what the first hour of my day is like, except to say that it is, uh, in, in a word, I believe, I believe the word is disgusting. Holy cow. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. Good to be with you. So if I sound off or... It, it seems like a weird break in the conversation. It's because I've turned off the mic. Whoo! He! Oh, not, not in any way good, uh, mein Kinder. Oh, rough stuff. Uh, there is now uh, a, a production order has been cut in half, and this is for Ford and the F-150 Lightning, which is the electric pickup truck. Now, full disclosure... I uh, do work with Andy Moore Ford right there in Plainfield. Um, I, we, we are going to continue to do more work, and they sell, of course, the Mach-E, which I've been driving, and the F-150 Lightning, which I just traded for uh, last week. They're like, here, drive this. I will tell you two things. First, the Lightning is the F-150 pickup, the electric. It's incredible. It is incredible. Incredible. I can't I cannot say it enough. It is unbelievable. The drive in that thing, the ride in that thing is is fantastic. Fantastic. The the way it's done, the bells and whistles, every and I'm only doing the XLT version, so I'm not even doing the Lariat version. Spectacular. Number two, electric ain't for everybody. And the market has said we're hesitant it doesn't matter what somebody on an ideological push wants the market has spoken 
but there are people in this ideological push because they've got a radicalness, they wanna try and force it. And America said, nah. America has not said, how dare you provide us this? America's fine with electric. They just don't want it forced. When Tesla first came out, people said, oh, status symbol. No one said, how dare you have this product? So there's no, there's no, you know, ideological issue. You want to drive an electric vehicle, go right ahead. Some of them are excellent. I'm telling you what I'm driving is amazing. But you can't force it on people. And so Ford is going to cut plan production on all the F-150 Lightning pickups into basically half next year. Now, some of the things that have been causing this, certainly the price, certainly interest rates. One can ask whether or not they would be in this place if interest rates had stayed low. But they didn't stay low. And the price tag on, the, on, on all electric vehicles is higher and it doesn't have, it, it's, it's a smaller window of people. You ask me to honestly assess, I'm always going to do it. I will always tell you where I'm at and I will always tell you what I'm doing. Nothing, nothing gets hidden. So they're gonna cut their production, makes sense. Economic forces, cultural forces, playing on the market, right. But it should be a lesson for those people in power, you cannot force. You shouldn't want to force. That's nutty. But that doesn't stop the ideological from being ideological. They're gonna continue to force. By the way, I will, I, I was gonna bring it with me uh, to Premier Arms where we're gonna be on Saturday for the big bourbon tasting with Hotel Tango. Like I was gonna, I, I could, I could bring that with me so people could see it, but I should also bring, I should also bring the, 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 the 96 Bronco. Oh, that thing is doing so well. I can't bring them both. All right, I'll pick one. You'll have to be there to find out which one shows up. That's Saturday. We're going we're gonna to buy some incredible jewelry. We're going to uh, help veterans, and we're going to taste some incredible bourbon with uh, Hotel Tango. That is Saturday over there, Premier Arms in Brownsburg, premierarms.com, 3 to, let's say, 6 p.m. Why not? Why not? Oh, and Eat, Drink, Smoke will be live. Still be smoking cigars, too, as long as I can get rid of this dang cough. <coughs> yeah, I'm not making it up. It's it's rough. Tony Katz, 93, WIBC. Good morning. As I said, uh, Hotel Tango, I, I like a bourbon. Hotel Tango, distilled right here in Indianapolis. It was started by Travis Barnes, a Marine who served three tours in Iraq, and he wanted to craft spirits with the same discipline and dedication he learned in the Marine Corps. That's what Hotel Tango does. The bourbon is solid. A four-grain bourbon, distinct mash bill. You're going to get some of that caramel aroma, nice rye kick, and you know I'm a rye guy. They also make... A, a, a rye, a bourbon, 51% corn, a rye, 51% rye, everything Hotel Tango does, you've got to check out. As a matter of fact, their bourbon is under $40, one of the 10 best bourbons under $40, according to wine enthusiasts. Wherever it is you pick up your spirits, head there today and try Hotel Tango for yourself. Ask for it by name. You'll be supporting locals, supporting veterans, and you'll get a great, sippable bourbon at a great 
price. HotelTangoDistillery.com. Hotel Tango, distilled with discipline. Absolutely following what's happening with Leap. The whole Leap District thing, where they annexed 642 acres for the Leap Lebanon Innovation District, part of uh, the next location of global innovation. This is right there on I-65. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. Good morning. And there were residents who said, You just took the land. We didn't have a vote in this. We didn't have a say in this. You just took the land. And this isn't what we want. Well, then they announced that Lily is going to be a a major player uh, in in, in this area. They're going to put $3.7 billion into this. And then came the conversation about water and how pipelines were going to be built. Pipelines were going to be necessary to provide water to this innovation district. And how now there's a report that says um, that the LEAP district puts access to water for Hoosiers at risk because the project, as reported, requires water to be pumped and moved in from the Wabash River, from that Wabash River Valley, to Boone County. Right? That water was going to be pumped in 56 million gallons of water a day. Because a couple of these uh, companies coming in use a lot of water. That kind of water usage, usage, as reported by Wish TV, da- uh, Danielle Zolkowski reporting, the average water use of 737,000 Hoosiers. That's a fair amount of water. So this has been a concern. Wait, we're going to take water from other places, maybe prevent their level of growth, maybe create an issue to build out this this leap thing, and this this project of the state that didn't have impact from the citizens of of, of Lebanon. That's the, the argument. I think I've got that story right. The mayor of Lebanon is Matt Gentry. And Matt Gentry says, look, this report that talks about water being at risk is, is, is not the case. This is the quote. It's far more likely that rates will not increase because of LEAP. The state is trying to use economic development to solve a much larger central Indiana water problem. So without LEAP by 2050, Indianapolis won't have, central Indiana won't have more water for new development. Right, so you need something like LEAP to fund, to fund a pretty costly pipeline. Wait, is your is your argument that we need to pump the water? I just want to make sure I understand the argument. The argument is we need to pump the water. Thank goodness we have leap in order to do it. Um I favor innovation and I favor the growth. I favor growth that is smart. And I don't mind a bold project. I I don't. But 
you you can't start in a conversation by saying, trust me, it'll be fine. We need it anyway. Thank goodness we're doing this. The entire area seems to have engaged this development without an understanding of, of the people around it. Now, that's different than whether or not the people fought their fight and lost in a vote or, or referendum, something else. I think for them, the question is, we, we were never consulted. We, we were never notified. We never had a, a say in it. Now we saw that, that Governor Holcomb was going to um, move over where how this water could be done in this whole study. right? So you have the Indiana Finance Authority overseeing the water study, which one wonders whether that's just a, a cover. This is already a fait accompli. The Citizens Action Coalition would like answers to a series of questions. Who will pay for the billions in costs related to the necessary infrastructure to provide water, provide services for wastewater, water, gas, and electricity? Where will the power come from to serve the energy-intensive industries located at LEAP? How will the thousands of tons of hazardous waste per year generated by the industries located at the LEAP district be treated and disposed of? Where will the tens of millions of gallons of daily wastewater from the LEAP district be sent how will future water availability in Indiana be impacted by IEDC to ship 100 million gallons per day from the Wabash Aquifer to LEAP? And what will it ultimately cost taxpayers and or ratepayers? Now, some of these questions are questions that involve being anti-growth in my view. Where will the tens of millions of gallons of daily wastewater from the LEAP district be sent? There's an answer to that question. Now, I think you should be able to answer it, and the, the people of Citizen Action Coalition may not like the answer, but there's nothing wrong with a company growing and utilizing, um, what's the word, resources in order to grow. That's not an issue. So let's woe up on that. But there is the questions about future water availability. Those are legitimate, serious questions. And you don't get to say to the people, ah, it'll be fine. And, and go about your, your, your building without answering that. What cost to them? What are the potential downsides? Those questions are worthy. And if the state of Indiana thinks they could just like ignore those or push those to the side, nah, no, no, no. Don't do that.